Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another edition of After Further Review. Mark Ferreira, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor on the board, and as our producer, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everyone out there, and happy Overreaction Monday to the divisional weekend of the playoffs over the uh, over, over the last couple of days. Uh, some NFL head coaching news as well. We'll get to a little bit later in the show, but first, welcome, Jeff. Welcome, John. He's been busy. He's been spending a lot of time on I-4 going between Orlando and Tampa. And uh, he's had a couple of consecutive games in a row. I think, uh, you know, you had, yeah, two consecutive home games the Raptors have had. And I think they've won both of those games. Won both of them over the Hornets. So congratulations uh, to them. Congratulations to you to be active and making (laughs) money and doing things productive in this time. Thank you. Uh, both of you guys, were you surprised at all? Was was there anything that surprised you about the weekend? Uh, and and just just pick one thing that popped out to you, like well, one let, thing that popped out, Johnny. Let me just cover it this way. I'll say this: I'm not surprised at the teams that won. I actually picked the teams that that won this. You weekend. did. You were four and zero. Yeah, I did. Uh, and picking Tampa Bay as the only uh, uh, road team. Um, it. it I think probably what surprised me the most was how well both of the defenses played in the Baltimore Buffalo game. I think it was three, three at the half, if I'm correct of that game. Um, Now I was doing a Raptors game at that time and full disclosure, the guy who um, Steve is um, works with the uh, instant replay for the referees for challenges. Uh, he he works that. He works uh, that portion of the table down a bit for me. And he normally would have been in Orchard Park because he is one of the guys who's on the chain gang in Orchard Park for uh, for for Bill's games. His first game, he said, in some uh, well, over 20 years that he'd missed or close to 20 years, something like that. So we're, we're going back and forth in that. And that both of us were stunned um, given those offenses. And um, both of those defenses, Buffalo's particularly, Mark, you know, we've talked about that, that if they had uh, a weakness and all these teams generally have a weakness, that would be it. I think that would be the biggest surprise for me. Um, I, those defenses both uh, played championship caliber football in that game. In my Jeff? Mind. No, I wasn't really surprised. The most surprising thing to me was that uh, Cleveland had a chance to win that game and they, uh, they, they spoiled it. They did not take advantage of a of an obvious opportunity to win that game. Other than that, everything was pretty much what was. Yeah, expected. I mean, it was it was a real opportunity without Mahomes in there. There's no doubt about it. And if uh, he's not available to start the championship game, uh, that's going to certainly skew a lot of things. Although Henny came up big, as we he all know. Well. And he exposed the problems with Cleveland when we get to talking about the four teams that lost and why they lost is that Cleveland struggles up the middle. Their linebackers, Mark, and, you know, you talk about this, the second level. And um, and Henny was able to exploit that. Uh, you know, Mahomes, we expect and exploit anything. As Derek Abbott always says, he's the unicorn. But Henny was able to exploit those things. And just within the uh, the structure of the offense, and again, we'll have Derek Abbott on later this week. He can break this stuff down better. But uh, I think that's where Cleveland has to look at moving forward. And I think we would all agree with Cleveland. I'm not really uh, – I'm not going to come down on them negatively for for, uh, for not taking advantage of the chance because I, I, like Jeff, didn't expect them to be anywhere near having a chance to win that game at the end. But I think moving forward, Cleveland was is able to look at 
uh, where they need to upgrade the talent on their football team. Yeah, that's a good point. There's no doubt about it. Miles Garrett being out of the game uh, yeah. intermittently certainly didn't help either. And uh, and then you have to give credit to Chad Henney because I do think that Cleveland had a had a real chance. You're right. And it was third and long. And, yeah, there were only two minutes left. And they, they didn't have any timeouts. But because every, every defender on Cleveland had their back to Chad Henney, He's a veteran, a wily veteran, took yeah. advantage and got that first, well, almost the first down and then completed the uh, the following play, and that ended the game. So that's a, a pretty fortunate turn of events for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see what happens. I tend to think Mahomes will be ready for and will pass concussion protocol. People by, were saying it like Sunday. minute one on Twitter. If, if Mahomes is cleared, it's a joke. Mahomes, so it's going to be the story moving forward. Um, no, no doubt about it. Odd play to get the concussion on, though. Of all the plays that you see where guys get concussions, that Mahomes, I thought uh, perhaps he'd he'd run into the John Wolford thing because it looked more to me at, like he'd gotten his neck injured and that he might have had a problem there, neck sprain, which is an incredibly painful thing um, and could keep you out as well. But, uh, yeah, we're going to see how that uh, concussion protocol it looks moving forward. <laughs> so I think, like you, he'll play. In terms of uh, my biggest surprise, it had to do with the Baltimore – Buffalo game as well. And that was that Baltimore really outplayed them. Mm-hmm. They had 10 or 12 minutes more in, in uh, time of possession. They, I think they had at least 10 more first downs. They had 150, 160, 170 yards more in total offense. Yes, Buffalo played well because Baltimore averages close to 200 yards on the ground, if not more, and they held them to 150. But it's still 150 rushing yards yeah. in a playoff game. And the fact that the game they killed him in the turned, red zone, though, killed him in the red zone like it did. Well, uh, yeah, there you go. I mean, obviously, the interception return ma- made the big difference and the two missed field goals. Oh, by the way. Yeah, that were very, very shocking and surprising. I mean, even if they only get a field goal in that drive that ended in a pick six, that's nine points minus six. You know, you're, you're still ahead in that game. Buffalo. I mean, really, they've scored two offensive touchdowns in the last six quarters. I think I think Baltimore, to your point, did a great job. But I think there is maybe something to be looked at with Buffalo and their offense and where they are right now, because I there are some signs out there that people may have figured them out to some degree. The last last half of the Tennessee game and the entire game of the Baltimore game. Well, it, the, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to uh, throw too much uh weight behind that. Let's let's all remember again the, the Indianapolis defense which and, is one and of the, the Baltimore defense. You're right. One of the best in football. Baltimore has an excellent and and, and improving defense. Um, I, I again, though, I'm going to say with the Bills defense. Yeah, they they bent. There's no doubt about that. But they uh, they kept Baltimore out of the end zone, and that really really surprised me. And uh, you know, you got to see on the pick six again. I was listening to it on the radio driving home. Um, uh, the pick six. The uh, everybody said, you know, Lamar made a young quarterback mistake. He got baited into that. Um, and uh, the the play before that, they had uh, they missed an opportunity as well. They, they squandered some opportunities. There's there no, is no, no, doubt, no doubt about, about that. But some of it was the Buffalo defense. Some of that Buffalo defense really, really came up big uh, in the red zone. And, uh, you know, can you do that against – 
Mahomes slash Henny in the AFC Championship game. And to your point, Mark, you're probably not going to see an AFC Championship game that you hold the Chiefs, no matter who the quarterback is, three points. So your offense better figure out if there are, if you've been figured out, you better scheme your way out of it. We'll continue to look at the AFC folks who are listening to us, ladies and gentlemen, and others listening to us. But first, let's go to our progressive trivia. We're going to stick with the National Football League. And this is, uh, you know, I enjoy progressive trivia, as you know, John. But part of why I like progressive trivia is because you are so annoyed by it. So that's part of why I like doing it. Because I, as you know, not a very, uh, you know, not not, not, not a not Not a a performer. Not a not a person of strong moral character. No. So uh, <laughs> I am, I think, a nurturing uh, performer. As you are more than me. That's true. Yes, you are. Uh, and that bar is pretty low if we're comparing it to you. For uh, there's no doubt about it. you. you you've earned you've earned your nickname as a comic bully. I, I yeah, think we I can all agree on that. I, okay. I don't dispute it. So here we go. Played in six playoff games, including a Super Bowl. Led the NFL in rushing one year. Led his team in rushing. Uh, seven years and uh, led the league in touchdowns one year. So there it is. Obviously, a pretty good running back uh, and had some postseason uh, success getting to the Super Bowl, clearly. Um, so there it is. There's our first set of clues. Okay. Uh, we, uh, good job. Now, I don't know what the spread was, but I think we probably, even if you picked Kansas City to win that game, as did I, I think we may have lost against the spread because that was only a five-point game mm. when it came down to it. But, yes, in terms of wins and losses, you were 4-0 and yeah. over the weekend, and I was uh, I was a paltry 2-2. Two and two. And because I yeah, picked you had Baltimore, Baltimore, and I yeah. picked New Orleans as well. Oh, did you? Okay. So let's go to uh, – so we've talked a little bit about the Kansas City-Cleveland game, talked a little bit about Buffalo and, uh, and Baltimore. Going forward with that, um, we've got Kansas City and Buffalo – if Kansas City has Mahomes, what are the chances that Buffalo can, you know, go toe to toe with him? Well, and, I think, and, well, and, and and does it become a shootout, unlike the Baltimore game? I would think it would. I, I would think it would. Um, I'll say this: you know, when Cleveland started to get back into that game, um, uh, they decided that handing the ball off to Nick Chubb as opposed to throwing it to him because he literally could not catch a cold yesterday, and in a pandemic year, that's very odd. Um, they they were able to start gashing Kansas City on the ground. I mean, Chubb was playing like you know you could just tell he was trying to make up for. He dropped some. Uh, if you didn't see it, he dropped some screen passes where he was open passes in the flats. I mean, he was really really struggling catching the football out of the backfield, um, which is a big part of an offense that runs the ball well, as you know, Mark. I mean, that is that's part and parcel of you know that's that sort of west coast thing that you get going uh where you're you use the pass to set up the run or you do a lot of that play action stuff and he he didn't do very well once he started to i I think he got a little fired up uh they were having a lot of success running the football against kansas city so i think looking forward if you're buffalo um you have to look at that because if uh, if then you get um kansas city's defense to, to 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 bunch up uh, against a Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield's good off script too, and I think he played a pretty pretty good game. Boy, they, uh, Tony Romo kept making the point. It was Tony Romo who was doing the making the point that you know Baker was playing well early in that game, and his receivers were not helping him out, and his running backs really weren't helping him out. He played well, but you know you start 
um, loading the box up against Josh Allen, Mark, you're going to find yourself <laughs> in a world of hurt, I think. So I think it'll be a higher scoring game. I do think Buffalo, if they want to follow the script that you saw for Cleveland, that kept them close is that Buffalo is going to need to commit to trying to run the football because I think what we saw is Kansas City's defense, they have a weakness, and they are inconsistent and have been inconsistent. Um, they'll, str- they'll struggle against the run a little bit. Now, sadly, if you're Buffalo, you don't run the ball as well as Cleveland does, but I still think no. that's something that you have to do. Yeah, nowhere near. I'm going to quickly look at what their uh, yards for offense, uh, rushing offense, you know, yeah, they're 20th in the league. So they don't really scare anyone with their running game. They they are throwing the, a guy out there, though, that not there's not a ton of tape on in Singletary because Zach Moss went down. So the potential to have a big game for him is there. Yeah, I think that, you know, that comes into play a little less with running backs with straightforward. Uh, but you're right. I think it, it, that might be helpful for them. They might be able there might be able he, he may be able to do things um, in in differently than other guys that they've had. So maybe they can scheme some things. But I think that's what you, you're going to look at with Kansas City, because I think you yes, I think you do have to get into a shootout with them. Generally, you're going to have to score a lot of points. And we talked about what Greg Cosell said about limiting um, possessions for Kansas City. Now, uh, the Cleveland defense, I thought, did a, did an excellent job uh, of holding down uh, Kansas City. Uh, but if you, you know, if you have 12 possessions, as Cosell said, let's say you can steal four or five. So let's say you steal five, and now they have seven possessions, and they score on five of them, and four of them are touchdowns and a field goal. Now they're at 31 points already, and you've had the game you wanted to have. So I think you're going to have to score against them. But I think Buffalo can. Uh, I think the challenge in this game is definitely on the defensive side of the field because those are, I would say, the weaknesses. But of those two teams, the offenses are the prized possessions more than the defenses. No, you're you're absolutely right. Both defenses are sort of in the middle of the pack, and uh, it'll be very interesting. I think, frankly, Kansas City's – I think Kansas City is probably going to just dare them to run. I think they're going to load up. You know, they're going to get a lot – you know, kind of nickel-type defenses out there most of the game to block up those lanes for Josh Allen, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna dare him to run. They they didn't get a hundred yards against Indianapolis, and they got forty yards or even less against Baltimore on the ground. Well, Baltimore and Indianapolis have better overall defenses. Than, and, uh, and I agree. I think the first twenty plays were passes because of the fact that they said that that uh, Baltimore kept. Derrick Henry off the board, so they weren't even going to bother trying to run against Baltimore. Yeah, I, I don't think you can do that. I think you have to try to do that because, again, I think what I you agree. saw you with Cleveland is you can do that. Again, Cleveland has an exceptional running attack compared to compared to Buffalo and uh, com- compared to most other teams in the National Football League. Yeah, we'll see. I uh, in the end. Buffalo's runners are very uh, they're very healthy because they did not see a ton of the field in that uh, Baltimore game. And as you're saying, Devin Singletary, uh, I think he's had 14 carries in the last two games and he's gotten about 46, 47 yards. So, he's, you know, if you average four yards a carry, you can keep you can keep Mahomes off the field. He looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you're right, John, that is the tack. There's no doubt about it. That is the tack. I just think yeah, I don't think you can I don't think Buffalo can come into this game and just basically saying we're going to go five wide and just go uh, arena football with them for for 
for the whole game. I, I just, I don't think you can do that, but I think, you know, on the, you know, the other side of that as well, I, I do think, you know, Kansas city offensively is going to have to play better than they played this week. Right. It's going to be interesting. I, again, think <laughs> it's a fait accompli. As I do really I. Do. I really As do, do I. And I think I think it's a fait accompli in terms of the whole thing. I think Kansas City is going to, you know, and we were very close, uh, you know, mid third quarter yesterday, it was 20 to 13 New Orleans over Tampa Bay. So we were very close to having both championship games match up the one and two seeds, yeah. which would which if anything's. 20 if anything's typical of 2020 that is but there's i think no, you know no I, about it. I, I think the thing that is 2020 about this is that we said you know uh while not necessarily like i don't think anybody thought that the tampa bay rays were going to be the american league champion uh this year but i do think when it got down to it uh in those last month they played better than anybody else in the american league and i think what you uh what you're seeing from tampa bay is that as the season came to an end that offense started to gel now i thought also you know new orleans did a nice job against uh them for a long time yesterday there were you know there were long stretches in that game where you could just tell these teams know each other very very well that was very interesting and and yeah and we'll we'll get into that just for yeah just let me let me do another round of progressive trivia and we'll and we'll get in and we'll get into the nfc (laughs) sorry johnny i know i know all right so here we go here is uh played in six playoff games uh, led the NFL in rushing one year, led his team in rushing yards seven times, and led the league in touchdowns one year. Next set of clues, two-time Pro Bowler, number one overall draft pick, rookie of the year, and played with two teams. So there you go. How about that? There it is. All right. And it, it, it just it's just one Super Bowl, huh? Uh, let's see. Well, yes, I'll, it is. I'll he just that. played in one Super Bowl. I believe so. I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm, well, that's, I, that's a clue. That, I mean, that is kind of the dictionary in, definition of a clue, a truthful statement about the, see, this is why. Well, no, 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 no. Hang on. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back and look at the clue played in six playoff games, including a Super Bowl. That doesn't say that it's just one. It could be four. <laughs> okay. Could, All right. He, I, you know, that's, oddly, he would deceptive writing. I don't think so. Including a Super Bowl that I would say this to be to be uh, as um, ingenuous as possible, mm-hmm. uh, that it's probably just one Super Bowl. I would say 90 percent. It's one Super Bowl. I'm not for sure on that, but I think it, it probably is. John, I think Mark treats these progressive trivias like one would treat a murder investigation and he feels like there are some facts that he just has to keep close to the vest because okay. only the suspect only the perpetrator of the murder would would know those facts all right and that's how he treats progressive trivia he's got to keep something back hold it hold something back <laughs> again i i don't I, and i you know i appreciate that angle that you're taking there mm-hmm. and i and i think that's probably how i approach progressive trivia for the most part but at the same time i i'm not for sure that he was just in one Super Bowl, but I'm I'm pretty certain that he was. Okay. I would say that I'm pretty certain it was just one Super Bowl. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't think there's any doubt that Are there- the betting the betting public now, once the name is exposed, we'll see multiple Super Bowls. I don't think there's any doubt about it. No, I I I would say ninety percent. I'm ninety percent certain that he he was in just one Super. Bowl. I could quickly look right now, but I think that would. I'm going to uh, take the ten percent versus the field. 
Are you? Yeah, I am. Are you really? Wow, you just—you just, you just think I'm that conniving with no, this thing? No, that no. it means that much to me. It means that much. Well, to I, me. I do. I know that. I know that. Mark, we've we've had limited limited time to perform and do. I mean, what you just these these massive egos built on the house of cards that is our you know our actual uh, makeup. It, it requires you know some sort of constant feeding i mean you need you need the applause you need and you know I, when somebody gets these in the first set of clues we we've seen that's no, that you say into do. a depression i do i need constant affirmation from outside yeah. of me i can't create it within myself no because why and would so you trust you it's like me i don't trust me my right. opinion on me is wrong no you're yeah it's just or no it's right. there's no there's just no credibility that's what it is there's, that's there's no that's credibility right. no so i need constant constant affirmation i'm talking right. constant <laughs> So otherwise I do sink into a huge depression. You must is, be a fun date. Ooh. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm also trying to charm uh, 100%. Yeah, that's true. Well. Yeah, no, you you so do have that thing. thing going for you. So, uh, you know, but I can I can so do that charming but, and I'm but, like, "No, he's horrible." <laughs> Please, can you see through it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Charm right. is in the eye of the beholder. It really is. It's uh, it really is. I have to say this, and and I and I obviously don't want to get too political, but uh, they are interviewing Michael Cohen these days for for a variety of reasons. <laughs> that guy. There's 24 seven, 365 TV. Everyone must be interviewed when, all when, the time. When they cut to that guy now, he looks like what's his name, David. The boss on The Office, the big boss that when he was fired, oh, you know, yeah. Michael would go to his house and he was massively disheveled and look, you know, he just was just like, and and Michael Cohn looks like he's just completely get, given up. When on, is on when are we going to get to the point with it's like really all, when are we getting to the point with all celebrities where it's literally just like these, uh, like Big Brother, where we just have cameras in everyone's home all the time. <laughs> And just, you know, it's just we've just given up completely on there being anything that, you know, it's that great. Uh, it's that great quote from if you if you ever seen the the movie that Madonna did many years ago when she was dating Warren Beatty. And <laughs> there's like a throat doctor talking to Madonna. She's having throat problems during a tour or she's got a concert coming up or something. And the doctor is in there and the cameras are on and and uh, the doctor's, you know, a little bit, you know, he's like, you know, I don't generally examine with, you know, cameras and a series of lights, uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. And Warren Beatty's sitting in a chair, to, to, you know, waiting for action before I do it. Right. And Warren Beatty's sitting in a chair. He's been famous for decades more than Madonna at this point. And he's just bemused by all of this because he's Warren Beatty, for God's sake. And he and the doctor says to, to Madonna, would you would you like to turn the cameras off? Would you would you like to do any of this uh, off camera? And you hear Beatty from the chair and he's like, what? No, she doesn't want to do anything. Why would you live off camera? Why would you ever, ever want to do anything off camera? And it was so telling and so funny. And right. what you said just struck me too. Let's just put cameras everywhere. Everyone's home. You know, we're going to see, we're, we're going to find out about this sooner or later. Once we're all on that same level where we realize that no matter your level of celebrity or proposed education or anything, you know, you probably still pick your nose from time to time. You probably wander out into the kitchen pantsless for a glass of milk in the middle of the night. I mean, it just, it's what people do for God's sake. 
So I think I'm, I'm advocating we see everyone in the in that state occasionally that when when we do cut to someone who's made up and totally put together, it's like, oh please, right. oh exactly. please, give me a break. Going shit. Going by John's uh, analysis of the situation and looking at Michael Cohen, I guess at the bottom of it, we're all Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Oh God! I let me tell you with the hair and Mark, you know, obsessed yeah, with, with my hair. You are. If you were to see me when I roll out of bed in the morning, I mean, it is. It's 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 something. My wife literally every morning, she just looks at me and starts to laugh. Until I put something in my hair and everything. Not a bad so. way to start a morning in a in a marriage that's po- you know post twenty years old. It's uh, probably a good thing to have your wife laughing uh, first thing, as opposed to you know grouchy at your you know general behavior. But she's laughing at my uh, <laughs> at, at what I look like. You know, know so it's not know. as if I've gotten up. Yeah, because I can be a funny guy. You know that I jump up. I, I'll do five minutes. I, I got five minutes on my leg. Fell asleep. At you night. do. You got five minutes in your back pocket at any oh, given anything. time. Anything you name at it. Any I given five time. minutes on Spotsylvania Courthouse. Let's talk about it. And yes. I'll do five minutes. But uh, you know, it's just basically I get up out of bed and I'm more than likely there in 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 the birthday suit and the wife just starts laughing at me. That's, that's gonna, you know, again, I know it doesn't parts. do a lot for you, but in terms of the big picture, Johnny, you gotta, yeah. you gotta remember to think of the big picture. It doesn't matter why she's laughing, she's laughing. That's and, a good thing. John, just think you've added another tool. You're now a master of physical comedy. Ah, <laughs> yes, he's right. claimed that for many years. Certainly I did break a couple of toes, me. I did break a couple of toes the other day, so there was some physical comedy involved with that. Are you so, serious? Yeah, I have a couple of broken toes on my right foot. That is not. A pleasant experience. No, it's highly unpleasant. Thank you very wow. much. Wow, it's very pain. Look at you, man. What were you? Were you uh, on the ladder and fell off or something like that? I would love to say that, but I was walking to the front door. I got out of my chair, my Archie Bunker chair, as my wife calls it. <laughs> I broke two toes while walking. I well, sort of. I was I was walking to the front door. I was going to turn the outside light on because it had gotten dark. You know, you have your outside light. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the PlayStation Five, which we were watching Netflix through, the cord for the controller was across my walking sure. space, and I did not realize that. And when I hit it, it was starting to pull the PlayStation off, and sure. was going to break. So I I was able to uh, hold the PlayStation up. But subsequently, I went down, and when I went down, my foot traveled, my left foot traveled down to the floor at an explosive rate of speed and hit right on the front of my toes, straight down. So um, pretty. I, I did not go to the doctor. I've broken toes before. You, you, it, there's a limited amount of stuff you can do. You get a painkiller. I actually have a couple of painkillers anyway. Um, Talk about so, back pocket stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I've got uh, painkillers. So uh, the the first, uh, my big toe and the toe right next to it on my left foot are more than likely broken. They're they're a they're a disturbing color that your skin should never look. I apologize. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's you know the only downside of the the only thing that's really really horrible about it is I have about a half a mile walk from where I park my car to where oh, arena yeah, is, where Amelie yeah. is. So you're going to have to limp. You're going to be limping. Oh, I have been limping. Yes. No, no, no. There's been a lot of limpage. Yeah. I, yeah. <sighs> That's always tough. You know, when you're, when you're our age and you start limping for whatever reason, yeah. it's a it's legitimate reason. You're not actually limping, limping, you know, but it's, yeah, it, 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 it exacerbates well, then, the feeling of, Oh and, boy, I am. And I know you guys have probably had, you know, foot injuries or ankle. The, the, the issue with any of those, knee, anything, is when you've injured that, you start to favor it when you walk. 
So now, um, not only do my toes hurt, my hip hurts and my knee hurts because I have to walk so because weird. Because of how you're favoring things, yeah. Pain. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going through. I'm and the sorry. busy week, not the two weeks where I didn't have a game, but, you know, no. the five games in eight days. Con- consecutive right. games and consecutive uh, days of COVID testing and the like. Yeah, so I was negative again today. So good good news there because we, we, we had another friend who came down with it and uh, she was exhibiting symptoms, but apparently is, uh, it was improved. So for anybody out Very there good. who's going through it, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're improving. Very good. All right, let's move our uh, lonely eyes to the NFC right now mm. and uh, cast our lonely eyes to, to those two games. We briefly talked about the Saints and the Bucks, and you correctly mentioned that the Saints were bottling up Tom Brady pretty nicely. Yep. You know, he was 4 of 12 at one point for maybe 30 yards and 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 thrown an interception before it was reversed. Yep. And um, they were blanketing and receiving. He tried to take a couple of shots downfield. Now, he yeah. did have – he had a couple of really great throws that would have required really good catches that sometimes guys make, balls that caught them. They would have been – but, you know, he put the ball a couple of times in places where the defender couldn't get them, despite the fact that there was good coverage. But they just didn't they, – they, they weren't just 100% on the same page. You get the sense with Rob Gronkowski is that he's about a half a step slower than he used to be. Because you watch when Brady throws to him, he always seems to be just slightly off from where they were when they were in New England. That the timing's not a hundred percent there yet. But uh, Brady was Brady was struggling because the the defense of the Saints they were blanketing the, those wide receivers, and we never thought coming in, Mark, that there was any way that they could account for everybody. But they were doing a damn good job. They were, and you're right about what what Brady was trying to do. You're right about how he would throw to where none of them were. And uh, not until, get it picked off. Not until third quarter, I think or so that, that amazing catch on the sideline. Uh, unbelievable. And in, in, in speaking of a place where no one is, I mean, Brady essentially threw it out of bounds and the receiver was able to one handed catch it uh, diving out of bounds, which was an, a remarkable catch, but to his credit, um, Bruce Arians and, um, their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, Byron Leftwich, right? Uh, made some nice adjustments. They did, and they started did. doing and started doing the short passing game. At, at, you know, as as the it was sort of West Coast, and uh, and it worked. And and of course, they were given short fields too. That's the other thing that we have they to were. remember on this thing. You know, yes, if you look at the stats, the stats are about even between New Orleans and uh, and Tampa. Although Drew Brees' stats are a lot worse than Tom Brady's, obviously, because he threw three picks. But they gave them short fields. They had a fumble, gave them a short field. They had that really good that really good interception. Uh, uh, Tampa that uh, eventually put them up 30-20, to 20, which was really the game in a lot of ways. Um, but that was surprising to me that New Orleans seemed in control, to your point, mm-hmm. John. They were in control. They start out the third quarter. They go right down the field. And they're up 20 to 13. And it looks like, you know, and, and then Tampa comes comes back and I think gets one first down and then they're out. Yeah. And so now now New Orleans has it again with a chance to go up by two scores. And that's when the fumble happened. And um and there's the most cliched you were uh cliched phrase in uh 
football is turnovers will kill you. And certainly we saw that with New Orleans. To, to your point, Mark, they that defense was doing a great job bottling them up, but you cannot give them short fields. You can't, you know, that's giving extra possessions. We talked about taking possessions away from Kansas City. New Orleans gave them not only short fields, but essentially extra possessions. At times, and the, the thing was, too, is that the Saints, some of those things happened when they were moving the football. Um, yeah, yeah, big time. Oh, yeah, it, they were, you know, first down after killing first things. down. Yes. Yeah, it, it wasn't like the first down interception, you know, on the on the 20. No, they pulled, they'd gotten a couple of first downs, and it seemed like they were in a rhythm, and then you would get the turnover. Now, again, it was, you know, Derek always cautions us. Those aren't always on the quarterback. You know, there were times when you realize, and the boy they were pointing out, Troy Aikman was pointing out some uh, some situations where uh, he thought uh, wide receivers were running lazy routes and things like that. Um, so there are other things to come into play. But it was a rough day for Drew Brees, frankly, because he takes a big part in why they did not win the game. Uh, those turnovers, to your point, were crucial. And I think there's no singular reason anybody wins a football game. But those were the singular, the largest reason that. And it's uh, just, it's lost. just interesting, Johnny, because you don't expect that from Drew Brees, and you don't expect that from Jared Cook either, who had that first fumble. Mm-hmm. They were already at their own forty-five. They were mm-hmm. driving after holding Tampa. So, so they come out, they get a touchdown, they're twenty to thirteen. They hold Tampa. They get the ball back. They're up by seven. Time is ticking off the clock in the third quarter, and they're driving. They're on their own forty-five. Third and two. They had just completed an eight-yard pass to Emmanuel Sanders. They they complete a pass to Jared Cook that gave him a first down, and as he's running, he fumbles, gives him a short field. Tampa Bay then takes advantage, and that's yeah. the thing about Tom Brady. If 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 there you know there's a multiple th- amount of things that Tom Brady is number one at in the, mm. in the National Football League, but amongst them is taking full advantage of mistakes of the other side. Right. It's amazing. And they, and they tied the game and it was a new game after that. Yeah. Uh, after that. And, and uh, on, it, on that fumble, amazing. on that fumble, Mark, the, this, the, I don't know if it's new or if I'm just realizing it more, but they are throwing legitimate punches at the ball these days. No, That's I, what happened to Jared cook. And no, right. How true. do you, how do you not fumble the ball when someone throws a, a legitimate punch makes contact with that ball it's almost always going to come out. Well, that's been, I mean, that's always been the thing. There's that great, I think it's actually Paul Brown for the love of God, you know, who invented everything that we see in football at all times. Uh, uh, he, and uh, what was the, the Mark uh, San Diego and Los Angeles uh, Ram coach uh, with the offensive Sid Gilman, Sid Gilman. I mean, literally everything you see in football is either Sid Gilman or Paul Brown or a combination thereof, but talking about, you know, holding the ball in the end, keeping it in, there's there's a cradle place where you're supposed to keep the football, and frankly, if you are a an NFL player and you uh, with the strength those guys have, and you're holding it in that very position, it is almost impossible to knock it out. The problem is when you're running down the field, you can't always. Have no, your yeah, wing. I I wa- I can't remember which game it was, but I saw a, a DB take what looked like a Mike Tyson esque swing at the ball. At, the funny thing is, he didn't get it out. But I mean, when I saw that, I was like, "That I I don't think I've ever seen that before." That almost looks like a penalty to me. No, he, he reared back and punched at the ball. That's been I've coached seen, for a long time, and, and I've been seeing that. It's just amazing now with instant replay and how you can slow it down. You literally see it's like it's. I compared it while watching it with uh, 
with my kids, I compared it to the uh, Back to the Future scene where uh, McFly, the dad, is going to hit Biff. And, you know, the the, yes. the shot is on his hand just t- starting to squeeze. And Get then he's your about damn to hit hands it. off her. Yep, that's it. And But it's amazing. That's what we see with these yeah. really super slow down instant replays you see the you see the hand and then it and then it balls up into a fist it's amazing yep. it really you also is. see you also see big strong running backs running through arm tackles because guys aren't tackling guys and they're trying to punch the ball out and what and we, that, you know there you go you yep. go back to coaching when i was in high school when i played defensive back i backed up defensive back didn't play a lot but you know one of the things they taught you was if you're the second man in then that's what you know you want to go for the football but the first man in you know, you better secure the tackle. That's the main thing. And, you know, Jeff, watch watch some of those guys who come in and their whole thought is, uh, you know, I got to get the football away. And you see it, of course, more, Mark, you know, this. you see it more at the end of games when teams are desperate and they, you know, they need an extra yeah. possession. You might see it more than you do in the first half. But, uh, yeah, punching the ball out, yeah, that's, 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 I love that. If you're running, when guys running behind a guy and you just try to punch it out. But, it, uh, it, it is amazing. It's it's a literal it's a literal literal punch. And, hey, I want uh, to give you an A plus on that analogy too, Mark. That was good. Oh, about the Marty McFly. Yeah, damn no, hands off. No, no, that's it. That's what it felt like. That's what it did. You saw the hand, and all of a sudden it was just like it's like wow. He's just getting ready to punch the ball, and there it is. I think George uh, McFly is isn't that the father's name? Isn't he yes, George good McFly? Good job. I said Mr. George McFly. McFly. The old George so, McFly. That was it, and that uh, they it's it's so interesting, John, because Tom Brady, I, as I mentioned, is so good at taking advantage of mistakes. Literally, both of the times they got those uh, inter the fumble, and then subsequently the interception, five play drives, yeah, four or five play drives done. It it's it's Jack. It's like another gear. We're yeah. in we're in plus territory. They're on their heels because they've made a mistake. They're not feeling good about themselves. Let's. You know, and I think while we, they're down, I bet you you look. That's probably a hallmark of really of good quarterbacks and good football teams too. Is that they will capitalize on a mistake that gives them a short field. You know, that's yeah. it's, it's struggling to for long drives. All you know, all the greats. Brady was struggling mightily to put together anything uh, in that game at, for uh, long periods of time. I want to jump on the other side and talk about New Orleans, though. They just don't have any ability for explosive plays. They just don't have things downfield. Um, big, big plays. They struggle with that. You know, their big plays are like Kamara getting the ball in space on a, on a swing pass or something where, uh, where it's all about the yards after catch and things. Um, they just did, they had no luck, uh, with explosive plays downfield. And that's been, you know, the, the one criticism of the last few years of Drew Brees's career is that they have struggled with that. Yeah. And, uh, th- that made it difficult for them to stretch, the Tampa Bay defense yesterday in his defense. though, I think Michael Thomas is playing at like a 50% level. Maybe he had one catch. I, he's an explosive. He didn't receiver. have any. I don't think they, they targeted him four times and he's their downfield threat and he's a legitimate elite downfield threat. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence though, that over the last couple three years, that that's something where breeze has struggled, you know, as things, you know, guys, as they get older, obviously certain things, uh, uh, deteriorate from their game a little bit and that's been the one for him and it has been you know it has been a personnel thing as well you're right Jeff there because of the guys that have been there but that's something that they lack and moving forward for that team um you know their longest pass touchdown of the season was Jameis Winston 
Was that was that gadget play that Jamie was who threw a really nice ball, by the way? Oh, that was a fun ball. Just a rocket. Just and just right, you know, right there. Um, I, 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 got, I got to say, the reason why Jameis Winston was able to complete it to a New Orleans Saint was because the Buccaneers were on the field. <laughs> they should just start him against the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's they, very they, natural. They, just a yeah. very natural thing to complete it to the other team. That he was great. Talk about. Talk about putting together. You look at play structure. There was a pick in that, and I, I don't. I think it was a bit inadvertent how the pick happened. But two of the uh, Bucks ran into one another, which loosened him up. It looked like basketball. It looked like a pick and roll, and he was just you know uh, to the rim because uh, he's wide flipping open. And I will tell you, as a guy who played quarterback at nine years old, those wide open wide receivers that that that, that gets scary after a while. Those are the easy ones to overthrow. Well, it's interesting because, and, and you're right, New Orleans did not have a downfield threat this last game, and Tampa Bay really bottled up New Orleans. Now, you take mm-hmm. away that gadget play, it's 13 points, and they made Drew Brees look absolutely... Strung them out really well on outside and- stuff, those things to Kamara that usually they get that that swing pass or something, or he gets... they uh, The Bucks just swarmed to well, the football the, on those. The Bucks front seven... The Bucks front seven is something to to behold, and it and again, it's that back end that is vulnerable for them. But they didn't have to worry about it. No. A game they will have to worry about the back end, however, <laughs> is the game coming up because Devonta Adams, Devonte Adams, is amazing, and that connection between Rodgers and and he is uh, is is remarkable. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to be. It's Tampa. It's Tampa Bay going to Green Bay, the frozen tundra. Yes, Tom Brady's used to playing in the cold, but not many others. You know, Gronkowski, yes, but not many of the others are used to that. And, of course, all season they've been down here. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, their biggest weakness is over the top. So that's going to be a tough thing to, uh, to control. Uh, and we'll get into that analysis of that game in just a bit. So let's quickly talk about the, the Rams and the, the Packers. I was surprised also that the Rams gave up that many points, that defense. Now, they's banged up, though, John. I, yeah, and I know, think that Michael Aaron Thomas Donald playing it at 50%. Aaron Donald probably playing at 50%. Yeah, and he was out a lot, too. I mean, they were giving him a lot of breathers. He's having, you know, it's like he had, like, rib cartilage strain. I mean, something really painful core stuff that's really hard to to uh, to work through. But uh, they the problem for the Rams, and again, uh, uh, having uh, dove into a couple of stories today just talking about the teams that uh, – that lost. And the problem with them is that they don't have a lot of depth um, because they are such a top heavy uh, salary wise team. They are, they have three of the highest paid players in football in Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald and Jared Goff. One of these things is not like the other. Um, And uh, I think we saw a little bit of that exposed yesterday, particularly against this Green Bay offense that, you know, you're only going to hold Aaron Rodgers down so much and you're going to have to capitalize when you do offensively there, you know, we've talked ad infinitum about the, uh, that offense and how it is golf has regressed and what it's become versus what it wants. You know, it was, it was the greatest show on turf the year they went to the Super Bowl and were exposed by Belichick's defense. Um, but I think depth hurt them, Mark. And I think the, I, I would I would admit that, yeah, I would not have expected that many points. But if you do look at the number of guys who are out and the guys who are in there and how often 
they had to get spelled. Um, and, and, you know, Green Bay has just, they're, they're, they're not the fait accompli that I think you and I believe Kansas City is, but they, they're for real. They, they oh, are yeah. for real. And There's you're going to no have doubt. to score points to beat them. And we knew going in that that was a tall tale. The Rams were going to have to score on defense. Rodgers was going to have to throw a pick. They were going to have to get a couple of those short field gifts that the Buccaneers got, and they didn't get them. Really well, and also what's overlooked, I think, with Green Bay is their running game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their running game is at the moment spectacular, and the yeah. Rams couldn't bottle that up. That's what that was, in my opinion, the success that Tampa had when they had their meeting earlier in the year, which was, I think, Game Six or something like that. So they're two different teams at this point in time, but uh, yeah. they bottled them up. They didn't allow much of a running game to get going at all. And I think if you've got a running game going, a really legitimate running game, it's and Aaron Rodgers. That defense is like pick your pick your poison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Tough. This will be this this is going to be interesting because again, I think you know if Tampa Bay plays the way that they played against New Orleans, I don't think they stand much of a chance against Green Bay. They are going right. to have to offensively. I think you would agree they're going to have to sustain some drives in that game. They're going to have to move the ball offensively because I don't think Green Bay is going to give them those short fields. It's just not some and and again against um, New Orleans because Thomas injury and Breeze is uh, some of his limitations going into it. Uh, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, probably knew that we're not really going to have to worry too much about the deep ball. <laughs> well, yeah, now you got yeah. a team that can run the ball, and you better damn well worry about the deep ball. And and um, they've got you know they've got more than one threat running the ball. You know, obviously they've got Aaron Jones, but they've also got. Uh, this kid, Jamal Williams, who had 12 carries and, and Aaron Jones had 14. Yeah. And Aaron Jones with 14 carries had 99 yards. So a lot of offensive skill on the field next week in the NFC championship. Yeah. I mean, a lot of really quality. I'm going to be very surprised if it's not the Super Bowl that we've been predicting for the last, you know, eight weeks. They, they were running that kid, too, who looked unstoppable. But I think he got injured in the end of that game. So we'll have to find out if he's back. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, oh, AJ Dillon, that kid. Yeah, I checked out injury report. There's there's not a lot of stuff out yet. I, I guess it comes out a little bit later today. But yeah, yeah. Moving forward, the biggest story of the week is obviously going to be Patrick Mahomes um, and what he can do. But I I think I boy, this is a tall tale for Tampa. Be careful what you wish for, um, because you're just I I think again what you saw yesterday is not the sort of game that you can play and beat Green Bay. No, not at all. You know, granted, each game is different and, and Tampa's been as hot as anyone. If I'm not mistaken, Jamal Williams was pretty much the starter for Kansas City last year before they drafted drafted Hilaire and they let him get away and go to Green Bay where he's now the backup, but with starter type yeah. ability. Yeah, yeah Green Bay's done a beautiful job putting together that team. And, and that one-two punch at running back is what we're seeing. Teams that are having success generally do have that one-two punch at running back now. We talked about the era of the feature back is, you know, right. there are only a couple of teams that feature have a feature back. But when 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 you're, you know, when you're number one in your, uh, you know, running back by committee gets 100 yards on 14 carries and your number two carries 12 times as well and gets almost 70 yards, that's a, that's a great one-two punch. And, you know, Matt... Matt LeBlanc has got a great, got a great team around. Matt LeBlanc, it's amazing what he has done. And he was so good on friends too. 
He was oh, the yeah. best on Friends. What a, what a transition that guy's made from. Oh, and check out the what uh, episodes. It's the other series that he. I did. have. T- I've seen it. I've it's seen brilliant. It. He's it's playing I, Jeff. Have you seen episodes? I saw the first couple seasons. Yeah, he plays Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. I thought. It, it I mean, him him playing a a, a heightened version of himself. It's just it's brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. It Good is. For him, whatever. I agree. Let's go to uh, the next set of clues for progressive trivia, shall we? Let's do it. Let's go back to the first set, which is played in six playoff games, including a Super Bowl. We've determined that there's a 90% chance that it's just one Super Bowl, and John is taking the 10. Led the NFL in rushing one year. Led his team in rushing seven times. That's, That's pretty legitimate right there. Led the league in TDs one year. Two time Pro Bowler, number one overall draft pick, rookie of the year. Played with two teams. This should help. Was the first player to have his jersey retired while still active at his school. Heisman Trophy winner. Ranked second all-time for single-season rookie rushing yards and played with Archie Manning and Doug Williams. So that's I'm pretty, pretty sure clear I know who, who, who this is, right, John? I'm pretty sure I know who this is. Now. I'm yeah. sure you do. I'm sure Because he's one of, one of mine. Yes, he is one of yours. <laughs> and I believe you you are correct with the one Super Bowl. Yes. So I, I will. That I was, will that's, I'm, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, but no, I get it. If he would have hung around for a, a second one, but uh, at any rate, so there it is. That's why. I mean, I was, all that was legitimate, even right. though you undermined me and just thought the worst of me the entire yes. conversation we had. Right, right. Do you remember? You remember? You remember why I do all of this? All right. What do you want to talk about? Okay. How about the Lakers? I think goes back to that initial audition for the ESPN club. I was told. You tried to, to submerge me. You tried to submarine me. Take me out. I do that? No, the very next one you were called back, I did everything I could to give you a, a leg up through our mm-hmm. through our mutual good friend. And yet that's forgotten. That's just that's just so classic. Like the narrative, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what happens post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. All right, so here we go. So let's now talk about um, freaking Lakers. We've basically previewed. Do Do you think it's Kansas City, Green Bay? Before we move on to our next topic, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's. I'm I'm going to say that. I think uh, I think probably. Uh, you know, the, the the next question you're going to ask me is who has the best chance to upset someone. Um, you know, obviously, if it's Henny, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, sure. Um, I think both games are probably going to be high scoring, depending on the weather in both places. Those can be brutal places to play. I haven't really looked for it. I think uh, what I saw with Green Bay is that it's probably going to be quite a bit like it was, maybe some sort of snow flurry thing. Um, but Kansas City can be a tough place to play as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see any way to argue that either Buffalo or Tampa Bay, both of whom could win. There wouldn't be anything shocking if they did, but it'd be very, very surprising. I, I don't think their weaknesses match up well with the I, strength I, of the other team. Uh, this is Tom Brady's 14th championship game, by the way. <laughs> God. And if he wins, he'll be in his 10th Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, anyone, anyone saying that he's not the best of all time, it's just... It, you, you, you're just not you're I, just not looking at the facts. I'd say there's an argument for Eli Manning, best of all time, 2-0 <laughs> against Tom Brady in Super Bowls. Yes. Yeah, there you go. The 2-0. exception that proves the rule. Yes, uh, indeed. Though, again, Manning, it's, that's that's the championship quarterback in the Manning family. Oh, there's no doubt about that, even though even though Peyton has two, but those were compiled. I know, because you put, there's this there's this uh, whole thing where when you, anytime you put, you know, Archie Manning in a uh, – 
in a uh, progressive mark. It's played with Archie Manning. I always go, oh, because, you know, that means you had a crap season. Yeah. Yeah. You had a bad you had a bad year or <laughs> however year. long you played with him. You you were not a happy football player. I think he only I think they had what his whole career one 500 season, eight and eight. I think maybe 500. And that's uh, possibly under Dick Nolan. Before Dick Nolan then went one and fifteen the the, the subsequent year. <laughs> Considering Mark's mo here, are we sure that he didn't like play with Eli or Peyton and like did backyard football with Archie Manning one time, and that's considered played with Archie Manning? It's certainly possible. It wow. is certainly possible. My God. Okay, there you go. Played with Archie Manning. I mean, who's to say that means professional? And who's to say that means football? Maybe they had like a bridge tournament. Maybe there's an NFL bridge tournament. There it is. Maybe ping pong. I know. Uh, I know. Archie's a great ping pong player. Wins a lot in ping pong. Should have stuck he? with it. Should've Means a lot stuck. to him too. Should have stuck with it. So uh, stuck with it. Could have gone to China. You never know. Could have gone to China. Could help open up China. Instead, you know, you compiled a 17 and 466 record in the NFL. Poor Archie Manning. Boy, I tell you what, I honestly think that he came in the discussion, Mark, when the NFL looked at expansion teams after that and looked at, we cannot do what we did in 1966 by dropping teams into the league and giving them no chance to win for a decade. Because it got slightly better by the time Tampa Bay comes in 10 years later, though they still were up against it. And John, anybody who will ever argue that John McKay isn't a great football coach did not pay attention to any of that. Um, but you look at Archie Manning, boy, that was a guy who – and make fun of him and everything his college career he, he was remarkable and Archie had a lot of that off script stuff that we see now he would his game would have fit really really well with what we see now in the NFL but boy he was just shackled to up that anchor that you know, John McKay did come within three or four plane crashes from uh winning the Super Bowl didn't he making the playoffs I don't understand uh, the reference. That's one of his great quotes. He oh. said, after their first win um, in, in franchise history, a reporter asked him what he thought. He was like, oh, we're three or four plane crashes away from making the playoffs. <laughs> wow. And he was, uh, what, uh, lost nine to nothing in the NFC Championship game in 1979? That was year four. Year four. After yeah. the first two years, he was two and 26. Yeah, so. I think the year before that, they were in '78. It was obvious that they were a better football team. They were, they were coming on. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, uh, but yeah, he turned that team around pretty quickly. And to your point, John, there wasn't that much more that the NFL gave to the Bucks than they gave to the Saints. I think there were more teams uh, the in the NFL. There were one, the one thing they had going for. There were more teams in the NFL at that point in time, so they actually had a little larger pool of, of uh, players to, to, uh, to choose from too, because of uh, expansion and, and the merger, but yeah, it, they didn't, they didn't do him any favors. That's for damn sure. So, uh, and his, of course, the bet, one of the best, one of the best quotes of all time. How, what did you think of your team's execution? I'm, I'm all favor. for it. I'm all, yeah, I'm in favor of it. My if God. You want, if you want to go down a nice rabbit hole, Google oh. John McKay quotes, you'll have yourself an afternoon. Oh, the, 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 the football life on the Owen 26 Buccaneers. They, I mean, I think they, they literally show you video of every one of them. It's just brilliant. It's great, great football coach. Great football I coach. I agree. All right. Speaking of football coaches, that's a perfect segue. Uh, you've got, uh, I think, since our last show, Arthur Smith is now the coach of the Falcons, and Brandon Staley is now coach of the Chargers. I think the a little surprised two- with that one. I'm a little surprised with that one. That I'm they very went surprised. Defensive with, with the young quarterback. I think both of them are 38 years old. 
Uh, Brandon Staley, now it is a remarkable career in the sense that he, um, you know, Huntington, I think he was their defensive coordinator at Huntington for a couple of years, James Madison for a year, and then another another uh, Division three team for like two or three years before Vince uh, Fangio found him. Vic Fandi- Fangio found him and made him the outside linebacker coach for the Bears for a couple of years. And that second year, of course, they had that great defensive year. Uh, and they brought him to the brought him to the Broncos. And then one year after the Broncos, it goes to L.A. and they ha- they, they're the number one defense. And so he gets this gig. But, I mean, I don't know, John. First of all, it seems a pretty thin resume overall to me. And second of all, is it that difficult to have a number one defense to the point everyone makes about Phil Jackson? And how difficult is it to to win 11 championships if you have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and, you know, Kobe Bryant and Shaq? Is it that difficult to have the number one defense when you have the one of the best defensive backs in football and you have, and you have the best defensive lineman in football? Maybe of all time, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and you saw what happened when they're banged up. Right. Gave up 35 points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's a little surprising. I'm more surprised because I'm going down the the Colin Cowherd, I think it is, rabbit hole, or it might not have been Cowherd, but somebody talking about with these young quarterbacks, don't you want to get an offensive-minded guy in? Because the problem you have when you come in and, you, and you're a defensive coach and you know you, all of that quarterback stuff is on your offensive coordinator, well, the minute he starts to have success, now he's the hot coaching prospect and he leaves and now you've got this revolving door, whereas if you have a situation like in New Orleans, with Sean Payton, who is the offensive mind, he's you know in lockstep with the quarterback. So the offensive coordinators are almost superfluous in that situation. So I'm a little surprised with Justin Herbert. Um, I don't know, however, again, in in discuss- things that I've heard about um, from like the Peter Kings of the world who have get uh, good information on these discussions, most teams are asking coaching uh, hires who are defensive. Who's your who's coming in with you as your offensive coordinator? We want that set up. We want to know that moving forward. So maybe he has some things in place. Uh, but was a little surprised by that one because I agree with you. It's it's a short resume. I certainly have no problem with teams taking chances on that versus the the you know the, the retread thing that drives both you and I crazy. Um, but uh, that was a surprising surprising one for me. And to your point, Arthur Smith is an offensive guy, offensive coordinator, and he has a. Uh, relatively thin resume too, but he'd been with Tennessee for almost a decade yeah. and rose up from a, um, uh, you know, from a, um, not a coordinator, but a, uh, you know, a, a, a very yeah. low, a very lowly assistant um, to a couple of offensive coordinator years. And he turned that offense around. Derrick Henry yeah. had 1500 yards last year, had 2000 yards this year. Ryan Tannehill emerged again, but remember Ryan Tannehill was a first round draft pick. And was on his way to becoming a pretty good quarterback uh, with the Miami Dolphins, led them before getting hurt to like an eleven and five season. And then once he got once he got back after being hurt, was never quite the same because the the Dolphins were never quite. The and same. they kept they kept making coaching changes in Miami too. So he fell, you know, that whole thing about when you have coordinators leave and changes. Uh, Ryan Tannehill kind of yeah, I, I think his growth was stunted by the decisions that were made in Miami. I agree with so, that. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, this offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, had a number one draft pick, I think a top ten draft pick in Ryan Tannehill and a Heisman Trophy winner in Derrick Henry. 
And again, the last game he coached, like the last game Brandon Staley coached as a defense coordinator, gave up 35 points. The last game Arthur Smith coached, I think they got 200 yards on offense, the, right. the Titans against, of course, they're playing the Ravens, and that's a tough defense. But right. to your point, you're going to have a pretty good well. It's good. Mark, the whole thing, let's if you think about it, though, these coordinators that get hired at the end of the season, almost every one of them is coming off of a loss because the hot coordinators are generally the coordinators of the teams that are in the playoffs. And when, you know, so it's like, yeah, I guess maybe there is a maybe there is a school of thought. We, we, we're not even going to think about that last game because, you know, right. we, the resume beyond that is. Now, the interesting thing with him, though, you know, offensive guy, and he's going to Atlanta yeah. where they're going to have to make quarterback decisions. Well, they're probably going to, I would guess, they're 4-12. and 12. I, I'm going to guess they pick a quarterback first. I think time. they have to, even and if Matt Ryan plays another couple of years or so. It's it's a perfect scenario. That's yeah, what you be. want. Could you be. want, and 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 Matt's, every, everything we've seen about Matty Ryan is that he's, you know, a great guy, and he'll be a perfect mentor yeah. to whoever this kid is, and they're going to have a good, they're going to be able to pick a good quarterback. I would and pick so, a defensive and, coordinator who's never been part of a collapse. Because I mean, they are they are the collapse defense of all time this year. That's where their problem lied. They couldn't and they hold were, on it. They anyway. were a collapse defense in the Super Bowl. They were the they were the you know the most. Um, well, what what is it? They they had the biggest collapse in Super yep. Bowl history yep. as a defense, and they haven't been the same offensively since Kyle Shanahan they, left. His no, they have not. And so now they've got a, an offensive play. guy, and they're going to pick a, a a young quarterback, a stud. More than likely, they're going to pick a stud. Maybe Zach Wilson, maybe Justin Fields. Who knows? And uh, they're four and twelve. They get a, a very high pick, and you've got an offensive guy. And then you've got Matt Ryan, who's got a couple years at least healthy. You can sit behind the guy; it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that makes a little bit more sense. And you can wait out Tom Brady if you know you're in the South. So you know you've got a Carolina that's rebuilding. Certainly needs right. a quarterback. Apparently, they've thrown their hat into the Deshaun Watson mix. Um, and uh, people are saying, don't sleep on them. We think it's any team that needs a quarterback should throw their hat in the Deshaun Watson mix. And Julio Jones is going to be back next year. Which yeah. Also yeah. They had some injuries banged up yeah, was offensively, banged up but defense is really their issue. So let's see who he brings in as a defensive coordinator, but it might be, might be a good uh, gig for a young offensive coach because you have, you know, again, when you have a starting quarterback of Matt Ryan's, uh, first of all, ability and the amount of time he's been there, he's going to de facto be, partially an offensive coordinator as well. And uh, we'll see how Matt Ryan responds if they do indeed go and get a quarterback. We will see. We will see, uh, you know, the the minority hiring. And I know that that's a touchy issue at times, but I think all anyone wants with when it comes to this kind of thing, it's not necessarily equal outcome. It's equal opportunity. Right. And I, I think that um, – you know, I, I think they've been underserved yet again, frankly. Well, I know that the enemy has, he has, he has interviewed. So technically he's been given an opportunity for all those openings, including yeah. Houston now. Yeah. And I guess he's in the mix for the surprising Philadelphia open too. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of push for him. Uh, I, I, I'm really surprised that with the San Diego job, that's the one because, you know, again, he has roots there and why they didn't make that uh, decision. And I don't a lot know. Of people said that was the most attractive job out there. Now, part of it is because his team is continuing to move on, the window starts closing because you you, you have a short period where you can talk to him, and now that's shut down again until the end of, end of the Super Bowl. So, you know, the key thing, if you're a hot coordinator, Mark, is to lose in the divisional round. That's how you get head coaching jobs because yeah. teams feel like we can't wait another three weeks to put stuff in place. 
Um, this is going yeah. to be an interesting offseason yeah. moving forward for these guys, too, because we don't know what sort of, you know, off, um, you know, their offseason workout plans and everything are still going to be affected by COVID. So it's a difficult year to take over a team. I do know that Eric Bieniemy has made it clear, I guess, behind closed doors. Everybody's saying that Bieniemy himself is saying, I will go when it's the right situation. Yeah. So there may and be some hard. there may be some of these where Eric Bieniemy didn't feel like it it felt right for him as well and it may be, you know, that's those interviews go both sides. You know, you may not be I assume that you walk into an interview for the Dallas Cowboys and there's a little bit of skepticism that anybody's opinion in that room means anything other than Jarek. You know, and that's you know whether you're uh, you're interviewing for an assistant coach or secretary. I mean that that seems very top heavy. Uh, that structure you're going to have to be comfortable with the structure as well. The enemy's going to get a job. Um, I was hoping for the Jacksonville job again. I'm I'm not sure. I still don't know that the Urban Meyer thing works. I think it's a bad hire in, in my mind. Um, I thought the enemy at San Diego would have been great too. I think yeah. that's a great you know because that's a pretty loaded roster, believe it or not, on on, on top of the young oh, quarterback. They should have been better. They should have been better. Now, they had some injury issues, and there are but some they, things, but they should they, have been better. I they grabbed and the I like out of the jaws Lynn, of victory but... a lot. Yes, they do. It's a cultural thing, Joe, John. We've said that before, that the char- that the Chargers as a whole, as a as a culture, seemingly, know, you know, on, on there's, there's about seven or eight pages in their playbook about how to grab defeat from the jaws of victory. That's what oh. we do here in L.A. and or San Diego. How long until Justin Herbert is the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints? <laughs> wow. I'm not sure history will repeat them, will repeat itself on that one, but, you know, we'll you see. A shoulder injury that's misdiagnosed at first. You know, that has to happen. So, poor so there it is. So there it is. That's our show. We, are, uh, we have kind of a funky schedule the rest of the week. Uh, I think we're going John, to. I'm glad you know who, who the progressive trivia answer was, John. I, yes. Oh, thank you very much. Go out as the only one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's give that answer, and then we'll discuss that moving forward. That we may we have to make some change because I have a busy week. Mark's going. To, Mark's going on another super spreader event. Yes. All right. So uh, these are the clues. Played in six playoff games, including a Super Bowl. Led the NFL in rushing one year. Led his team in rushing seven times. That's that's noteworthy and surprising, isn't it, yeah. John? Even to yeah. you. He's a, yeah, he's he he was a much better player than he gets credit for. No doubt about it. That he's remembered for the narrative uh, about this guy. You know, seems like it would be uh, constructed by a guy like John Pelkey. Uh, led the league in TDs one year, two-time Pro Bowler, one number one overall draft pick. That's significant. Rookie of the year, played with two teams. First player to have his jersey retired while still active at his school. Uh, the uh, the Gamecocks did that. Heisman Trophy winner. Ranked second all-time for single-season rookie rushing yards and played with Archie Manning and Doug Williams. And, of course, the guy is George Rogers. George Rogers. I tell you what, George Rogers never would have won that Heisman Trophy today. Um, if, all the, all the, if all of the same players if all of the same players were up today, it was just 2020 and it was the same as 1980, which is the year that he won. Um, if all of those players who were eligible to play college football that year, it would have gone to Herschel Walker. But that was back in the we don't give it to underclassmen days. Herschel Walker was the best player in college football in 1980, bar none. 
100%. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was the year. That was the year he deserved the Heisman Trophy. Yes, absolutely. It became the best supporting actor Heisman Trophy when he got it because after that, it was based on, you know, his career. And we always joke the best supporting actor and actress awards in Hollywood are generally given to somebody who probably should have won a best acting award a decade before or something. But Rodgers was was a great player. And like I said, undervalued. He, uh, in Joe Gibbs' offense, he was very, very productive. And a well-loved, great teammate. I mean, he's a guy that's uh, beloved uh, by people who played with him and everything and was a really, really good football player. And honestly, the only reason anybody knew South Carolina had a football team for decades. Um, he, uh, But uh, Herschel Walker was far and away the best college football player. And much like Paul Horning never would have won if not for the fact that back then Southern writers wouldn't vote for a, an African-American, Jim Brown, head and shoulders above everybody else in college football that year. Um, and Paul, Paul Horning wins with a, with, with what a two and eight Notre Dame team and only Notre Dame. And just another reason to hate them, by the way. Um, and even though it's a 64 year old, uh, issue, uh, but George Rogers, Sorry, <laughs> that was that should have been Herschel Walker's Herschel should have probably won a couple of the, you know, things. it's interesting because I'm going to the 1980 stats because I always thought that too. And and it might be just the coverage because Herschel Walker got the coverage because he was at a school that was perennially a contender as opposed to measly South Carolina. But George Rogers led all running backs that year in yards. Yep. 1781. Herschel had 1666. George Rogers' average was 6.0 and Herschel Walker's was 5.9. George got 14 touchdowns. Herschel got 15. Receiving, not neither one were big receivers out of the backfield. I think Georgia threw the ball three times a game during the Herschel Walker so, era. Honestly, I, I mean, if there were probably games they didn't should throw into double digits. Buck Baloo, lucky. <laughs> I like Buck, too. We used to, I used to talk to him during uh, uh, Braves spring training because he's a sportscaster now in Atlanta. Good dude. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, no, uh, you're right, Mark. It's, and I think the argument could be, you know, that Rogers, uh, an upperclassman and his statistics were certainly comparable, but on big stage games and yeah. with, you know, and, and we all know the Heisman Trophy requires big a, a big moment. And yeah, you know, Walker had a boatload you know, of them. That's a very good point. You know, so and, and, and Carolina every, was never in any big games. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And when I they think Georgia, they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now they weren't in the Southeastern Conference uh, back then, so they may never have played Georgia uh, during Herschel's career. They weren't an SEC team at that point. But uh, it's people back then admitted it. Guys admitted that they just didn't like to vote for uh, sophomores. Certainly, you could, a junior could win. Certainly, Archie Griffin won as a junior and won as a senior as well. But um, it uh, that was that was Herschel's award to win. But nothing against George Rogers. Again, a beloved player, Super Bowl champion, more Super Bowls than Herschel Walker. Uh, they did play South Carolina that year, believe it or not. But South Carolina was not in the SEC, to your point. South Carolina was ranked 14 when they played them late in the season. Well, no, November 1st, relatively late in the season. Yeah. And um, and then uh, Georgia beat them 13 to 10. So that's pretty fun. That's All right. Was, uh, that was a high-scoring Georgia game it was, right there. 13 it to 10. was. They played it four was. corners. Herschel, Herschel pull, you know, get uh, – uh, they'd have two possessions. Herschel, about the end of those two possessions, it'd have like 118 yards. And uh, and then they would play four corners offense. Buck Baloo would take a knee for three straight plays and they would punt because, you know, 
that's that's what you do if you're George. So over the next few days, uh, you know, uh, on on Friday, Derek uh, will be out of town, and in Tahoe, uh, and I am uh, in. Come and come and go. That's all I can think is Derek's going to be at some sort of rat act concert. Again, it's not sixty years ago, John Palkey, where what? it's if not it nineteen sixty in Tahoe. Be a good chance. Be a good chance. You'd see uh, Frank and the boys. Um, but Frank uh, that gravy that's so good. <laughs> Let's take a steaming, boys. Oh, uh, man. So stay tuned. We'll give we'll give you an, a heads up as to when we'll be. Uh, but the podcast will still be uploaded probably the normal times uh, in terms of Wednesday and then the following Friday. More than likely, unless unless there's a new uh, a new wrinkle, a new curveball, and we'll let you know about that. And what are the odds that we'll let are we're not gonna lay probably, probably will uh, we're found entertainment is much better than uh than uh planned on entertainment planned on entertainment enough. mark you know this they've set an expectation Ooh, we're gonna tune in at noon and it's gonna be good as opposed to hey they're talking and it doesn't suck which is really what we're shooting for <laughs> that is the perfect description of after further review Ooh, they're on at noon and they're gonna be good as opposed to ooh, they're talking and they don't suck. <laughs> We'd much prefer to be in the latter category. Yes, of Every course we day would. of our lives. For John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor, I'm Mark First. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon enough. <laughs> <laughs>